Hey everyone, it's James Lynch here at Lynch on Sports on social media, and you are listening to Pro Sports Podcasters. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters with your hosts, Nee Wallace-Bruce, Colbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We are something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Welcome back to the ProSource Podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Neil Wallace-Bruce, and we have the full triumvirate here today. We have Mr. Kobe Durand, a.k.a. Kobe. Kobe, how you doing? I've been better, but uh, Netherlands got through today despite some shaky officiating so i'm okay that's right they've qualified for the knockout round of the men's world cup in qatar and also joining us is mr justin williams justin how you doing living the dream can't really complain and yourself yeah i'm not too bad myself not too bad it's a it's a good time of year there's there's lots happening in the world of sport lots happening in the world of mma so to talk us through that and more it is the one and only mr john hyong ko he is correspondent at the All-Star Sport, and he's also a writer for the South China Morning Post. He joins us from lovely South Korea. John, how are you doing? I don't think it's that lovely, but you know, I appreciate that. Yo, if you saw the, the way that K-pop and culture has taken over Toronto. Huge. <laughs> it's huge. Massive. I'm not a fan, to be honest. <laughs> I'm going to just put it out there. I'm not a fan. Um, I'm surrounded by it, but... It's just something that's background noise to me. You know, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's pretty wild out there and in the world. You know, I was I was recently in Thailand and yeah, it, it's pretty crazy how like that is the part of our culture that is around the world. And I don't care about it at all, <laughs> which is, I don't know. I'm proud to be Korean and everything, but still, you know, I mean, <laughs> it's weird. It's weird to me, to be honest. It feels like a Black Mirror episode when I go out the country. <laughs> I hear that. Now. John, how did you get to where you are today as as the, the the reporter that you are? Well, it's a pretty pretty uh long story, but you know, like most people traditionally they would go to school, right, college or whatever, to study communications or journalism or, or any of that good stuff. But I didn't do any of that, man. I didn't go to school for none of this stuff. I just decided one day that I wanted to cover the sport of fighting because I like watching fighting and and I thought like, hey, you know, it seems like it would be a decent career. Uh, and it was the kind of uncharted territory at the time. So uh, I felt, you know, there was a huge door. So I decided to walk through that door and, and, and kind of create my own path to, to a career in MMA media. I don't really like to call myself like a journalist or anything like that or I don't know. It's weird. It's weird to call yourself something. You know, it's, it's okay, I guess, for other people to call call you or or label you you know mm. something but like calling myself a journalist I don't know if I'm a really a journalist I I just do you know reporting and you know and, and fighter interviews and and I do write articles from time to time but, but I don't really like calling myself a journalist too much but it all started in like 2004 I think when I got back to Korea from the States and uh, and that's when Pride was going on and I started to watch Pride because it was on TV over here for free before that, I didn't really watch the UFC. I think the UFC was going on, but I didn't really watch it. 
I watched it when it first came out in the early 90s on pay-per-view, but it didn't really like, you know, spark my interest like it did in 2004. So I started watching Pride, you know, and uh, and just continued watching the sport, started, you know, watching Strike Force as well. And then the UFC become became bigger and bigger. They bought Pride, so, you know, Pride wasn't didn't exist anymore. So I, I just focused all my attention on the UFC and, and other promotions that was going on at the time. And uh, I think it was in like 2000 and I don't want to know. I don't know. It's hard to say like 14, maybe. That's when I was like sitting around and, you know, and I had a, a whole nother career that I was doing a full time job. But I was like, man, this job is not going to last forever. It's not something I could do until my like into my late 40s or 50s or 60s. Something sparked in me. And, you know, I thought like maybe I should try this, you know, this uh, MMA media thing because uh, no one was really doing it over here in Asia. So I Googled like Asian MMA websites, blah, blah, blah. And then there was one website called Asia MMA. And I reached out to them and uh, they're the ones who got me started. So basically what I did was I would uh, write articles for them. I would go to shows like there was shows in Korea. I would go to those shows and, and cover those shows Kate side from the start and do play by play. Yeah, I did like a lot of the grunt work for a few years and I did it for pretty much nothing. And I think a lot of people have to realize this is that if you start out in this industry you're going to pretty much work for nothing for a long time and maybe even work for nothing for your whole time covering the sport because you'll end up quitting because i quit a few times you know i was just like man i don't want, i don't know if this is right for me you know throughout the years and uh and then one time i don't know something changed and i think it was like 2017 or 18 and i decided man i'm just gonna put two years two years into this full full blast while working a full-time job to see where it takes me and within those two years you know I made a lot of connections and I started to get paid you know like per article or per interview and and start working for some websites you know in in North America as well as in Asia and now I'm here working full-time it's been over a year working full-time in, in MMA media uh, for the all-star as well as uh, SCMP and uh, yeah it's uh it's been like difficult i think because i'm over here in asia and it probably if you're going to cover the sport you probably want to be in north america to be honest with you you know what i mean one of you guys are are you guys located in the uk uh, we're we're all in based in toronto okay so you guys are all based in toronto so even even being in north america even being in toronto it's it's not a, it's not the same as being let's say in new york or Mm -hmm. in, in Las Vegas or something mm -hmm. like that, right? It makes it a little bit harder. Um, so, like, the guys that actually, like, moved to Las Vegas to pursue the, you know, MMA media, uh, they're probably doing the, the best for their career, right? It's a chance. You're taking a huge chance, you know what I mean? But uh, I've seen so many people quit throughout the years. Like, guys that could really write, guys that are really good on the mic, they just quit because they just never got that opportunity. So I feel like I'm one of the lucky ones that kind of took advantage of of like uh the breaks that I got and uh I'm fortunate man to be honest with you like not many people are working full-time jobs in uh MMA I hear that and persistence definitely is a part of that so I hear what you're saying there yeah uh so with journal well again you don't like to call yourself a journalist but uh for lack of a better word because I feel like internet blogger just doesn't seem right 
Do you remember the first event that you covered that you were like, oh, this is what I'm meant to do? I think it was Road FC. This was like really early. Uh, I think it was Road FC. Back then, Road FC was like putting on just some insane fights. Like the fighters would just go crazy on each other. And they were getting paid like probably a couple hundred dollars each. You know what I mean? But uh, but yeah, that, I think that's when I realized like in some of those, like watching some of those fights, K-Side, like, yo, you know, I think these fighters need better coverage, especially fighters in Asia, which they don't really get much coverage outside of like, let's let's say their their local country. So I was thinking like, man, I'm going to take the responsibility of trying to get fighters in Asia and in, in Asian countries and Asian promotions more coverage around the world. And the only way to do it would be to to do it in English, right? Because that's the number one language, you know, in, in this on this planet or the number one, you know, uh, language used in business, so to say. So, that, yeah, that's when I decided, like, I, I think it was at, like, one of the Road FC shows. Okay. Now, since you're a bit of a, I guess, veteran or you've been around a little longer for this writing, is there a, an example of where you would go back in time and redo an article that you wrote once before? Yeah, all the articles that I wrote like, <laughs> the first year that I, that I started writing. You know I mean, I had no idea what I was writing. I was just using the basics of, you know, an article. Like I would go research like what sports journalism is on, on the internet and like how you would format an article. And I would just do it that way. You know, I didn't really have an editor that would just go in there and fix things. You know, nowadays you do have that, right? If you work for some of the, these websites, you have really good editors. But I didn't have that. So I was just doing everything on my own for a few years, even though like I worked for a website. I even worked for this website called The Fight Nation. And uh, that was kind of like the first real paid gig that I had. And I didn't even have an editor on there. I would just be writing articles on my own, basically, and posting them all about eight, like, you know, one championship. This is when one championship was like nothing. And I would be writing about one championship and their fighters. Yeah, the first couple of years, dude, I didn't know what I was writing. If I, the, the crazy part is, and, and I want to give advice to people that write. If you write for these like smaller websites, keep your articles saved somewhere. Because like Asia MMA, the website doesn't even exist anymore. I can't even go back and find the articles. The Fight Nation doesn't even exist anymore. Can't go fight, find those articles. I even wrote articles for a while for MMA Today, and that website doesn't exist. So I can't find out none of that stuff. So even if I wanted to, even if you wanted to point out some terrible things that I wrote, you can't because it doesn't exist. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of good and kind of bad, depending how you see it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, John, most people on this side of the pond, when they think of South Korea and martial art, automatically think of Taekwondo. Does that play a part in the MMA scene in South Korea or no? Nah, no, that plays a part. MMA is like a whole separate thing. The crazy part is there's a lot of really good wrestlers in Korea and like Olympic medalists from Korea, right? Mm -hmm. But none of them become fighters. None of them. It's weird. Like there's a lot, there's a big pool of wrestlers, right, coming up in Korea and in the past. And none of them become fighters. I don't understand it. Like in the US, most of the the top fighters all have a wrestling background, right? Folk style, whatever. 
and uh, and in Korea, you don't see it at all. It baffles me, and I always ask these guys like, why don't they fight? It's just like they don't know. And if I was like a uh, an agent or a talent recruiter or something, I'd be going to the, these wrestling practices or these these uh, wrestling centers to to see if you know what are these guys gonna do after they they're done wrestling, because that's what usually happens, right? After these these well-known wrestlers, these collegiate wrestlers are done. They they have nothing to do, so they go to fighting. In Korea, doesn't doesn't happen. I I don't remember the last time I seen a guy that was like had like a deep taekwondo background fighting here. You don't see it. Like, do you know any Korean fighters that you see in the UFC that have like a taekwondo background? They're like, oh, I'm taekwondo. No, none. No, and you have a like Korea has its own form of wrestling, doesn't it? Yeah, but that's like. That's not like, like that's not actable. Like, yeah, that's not useful for fighting at all. Yeah, I just I remember seeing something about that. I don't know. I just I know people when they they think South Korea, they think Taekwondo, and you'd assume that maybe that would transfer over into MMA. But if it hasn't, are there major Taekwondo competitions in South Korea? I'm pretty sure there are. It's just uh, when you look at it, it's all flash. The competitions are just all flash, right? And now Taekwondo has become so huge. Uh, that other countries are becoming dominant in Taekwondo. Mm-hmm. So it's not even like a Korean martial art anymore. It's a worldwide martial art, right? It's like what Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is becoming, right? It's, it's becoming Jiu-Jitsu. It's not like Brazilian will probably end up getting lost and it'll just become Jiu-Jitsu yeah. you know, in, in the next 10 years because it's a worldwide sport, like everybody's doing it. And other countries are really good at it as well. And once it gets into the Olympics... Yeah, it would be just called jujitsu, but um, but yeah, with taekwondo, I it's a lot of flash, man. You know, I I grew up doing taekwondo myself, and and I don't use any of that. It's I don't think it's useful for fighting, unless yeah, I, I guess for your like kicking and dexterity and stuff like that, it's it's good, but I don't know. It's it's very rare, you know. The the last person that was like a taekwondo. Like advocate was like Valerie Laredo and look what she's doing. She's in WWE. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, so it's very true that, um, that essentially people who kind of do practice that art end up do moving over to, um, to different forms of like, they don't really do fighting. You're right. Now, just kind of a, another little question kind of regarding jujitsu in that sense. I studied Japanese jujitsu. Is that at all popular over in Korea? No, I, I don't see any Japanese jiu-jitsu going on over here. Um, the the most popular martial art besides Taekwondo because, you know, it's just ingrained in society and kids do it just because it's, you know, teaches them respect and, you know, discipline and all that is jiu-jitsu, like Brazilian jiu-jitsu. It's massive. It's bigger than MMA. Oh, interesting. I actually just watched a video about how UFC one could have been rigged just to kind of bring up the popularity of Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. And I was like, Oh, it was rigged. Yeah. <laughs> it was an interesting take. I was like, damn, this is compelling arguments being made right now. But, uh, moving forward. So you're saying it's, it's uh, Taekwondo, then it's BJJ. Is there a third that's close or is there like nobody even close to that? Probably like Hapkido. Okay. You know, that's probably something you probably see some in some other countries as well. Yeah, but that, I think those are like the main martial arts right now. But jiu-jitsu is getting massive, man, because it's just, uh, I don't know, it's weird. Like celebrities are doing it over here. You see it on TV. Right. 
yeah, it's pretty wild. I heard Sambo's picking up since uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov kind of made it popular. Bullshit. <laughs> I don't know. Not over here at all. I don't see Sambo. I never. I haven't seen any Sambo gyms. Yeah, anywhere. come on. It's no, no. Full it, contact, I think. I, th- I think so too, which is why I was kind of surprised when I read that, that apparently it's just out of the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu fighters, like practitioners in recent UFC fights, all of them have lost to Sambo. So it's just kind of, there's an argument being made that Sambo fighters, or at least the Sambo style, is better. Now, mind you, it's the Magnum Adolfs. That's not Sambo. Apparently it is, Kobe. It's not. That's just a form of mixed martial arts wrestling that they've adopted themselves. They call it Sambo because they use it as a derivative, but they're not actually doing Sambo. Sambo's a, a joke. I have no the idea. The clothes are funny, though. I like them. <laughs> <laughs> the gi? That's like the, the short sleeve gi with the shorts. Yeah, yeah. And then they use, like, it's funny because it's, like, red. Like, red versus, they look like Power Rangers. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> like, a form of, like, Power Rangers. They look like a form of Power Rangers. And then they should get, just get the yellow gi and the green gi and just, you know, make a team. But uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. Sambo is, is something that's uh, very useful, but I don't think it's the same as what the Dagestanis are. Yeah, it's not, it's not even close. Yeah. Oh, I see. Uh, I think ne- Fedor is more of a Sambo representative than anybody. Yes. Right? Yeah. No, that's uh, no, no, all I'm thinking of. I'm just waiting for like a, f- a bout going on, and then like this lizard robot comes in. <laughs> all the Power Rangers are united. <laughs> no, I'm thinking <laughs> no, that's on the brain now. But Samba! Anyway. <laughs> right? But seriously, saying saying that those Dagestani fighters are using Sambo to win in the UFC is like saying George St. Pierre was beating you with karate. It's it's just not the case. It's you know you can say that oh they they took some Sambo, so that's what they're using, but it isn't. It's not the case. Mm-hmm. Now, John, I, I got a question. We had the uh, PFL uh, bout last last weekend, and we had five or six fights where a million dollars is on the table for the winner. I got to ask: what, I know the UFC is the pinnacle in MMA. That's where a lot of fighters want to be. But now that we're seeing some of these other competitions, and Bellator is another one where there's a million dollar prize on the table for some of their weight classes. Are we going to see fighters shy away from the UFC to go for these higher paying uh, competitions or are they going to still shoot for the pinnacle that is perceived with the UFC? They should definitely consider going over to these other promotions and competing. Why would you not? Why would you want to stay with a promotion just because they're more popular? Like you would, you know, refuse to go to another promotion where they're going to pay you and set you for the rest of your life, basically. A million dollars. And uh, leading up to that, you get paid pretty good. Like these PFL fighters are getting paid just as much as the UFC fighters leading up to the million dollars. And Bellator mm-hmm. as well. right? If you, if you compare purses, I'm pretty sure a lot of these guys that are fighting for Bellator and PFL, if they went to the UFC, they'd be getting paid less per fight. And these guys in the PFL, in Bellator are getting paid more per fight. And on top of that, they get to go and try to win a million dollars. Why would you not try? Why would you not go over there? Why would you not even just entertain it? You know what I mean? Like right now, you know what really like confuses me is Charles Rosa, right? He's talking shit to Brendan, Brendan Lochnane and Brendan Lochnane just won a million dollars, right? And mm-hmm. he's the guy that refused the, the 10 and 10 contract with the UFC. Right, he refused the contracts that they offered. 
And now he's sitting with a million dollars and he's the reigning champion and he's going to go into the next season, maybe win another million dollars. And I'm pretty sure Charles Rosa has fought 15 times in the UFC and hasn't made a million dollars yet. And he, Brendan Lockmane just fought four times, I think, five times in one year and won a million dollars. Like what? Like if, if you're, if you want to like take care of your family, if that's the purpose, that's the reason why you have a career, right? You want to take care of yeah. your family. You want to leave a legacy. Like a lot of these fighters want to leave a legacy. And like being a cog in the machine of the UFC for 10 years is going to get you nowhere pretty much. And you're going to end up with nothing. You know, you might have the title as a, a, a UFC fighter and all of that stuff. But I think we're getting to the point in the next five, 10 years that the, the UFC it's just going to be a bunch of superstars and, and guys just, it's going to be like how society is. There's like a bunch of like the one percenters at top and you know, like what, what countries like that where there's like a bunch of one percenters at top and then the rest of the society is just like in, in, in low middle class, right? Like that's what it's going to be. The UFC It's going to become that, right? Mm. If you're realistic with yourself as a fighter and you say, okay, if I go to the UFC, am I going to become the champion? Am I, a lot of these fighters are very, very, uh, realistic with themselves, right? And, uh, and some of them are delusional and you need to have some delusion, right? To be a fighter because you need to have that, that undoubted, uh, like confidence in yourself to beat everybody. But if you're realistic and you're thinking like, can I beat the top 15 guys? Can I beat them? Like, am I skilled enough to beat these guys? Like, when you go train, are you beating the shit out of everybody? Mm. You know what I mean? Is, is your skill set good enough to beat everybody there? And then if you are, then you could go to the UFC and, 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 and challenge all these people and, and, and chase after the big money, right? And become a champion or, or whatnot. Hold on, John. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah. There is one other thing to that, though. Yeah. I would, I would hesitate if I was someone who was a great fighter but didn't have great English when it comes to signing with the UFC. Yeah, but that all depends on if the UFC would, is willing to push you because you have like Zhang Wei Li, she has no English, but the UFC really rides with her, like gives her a lot of opportunity. You know what I mean? And, and she's a great fighter, but she makes no effort, none at all, to become like better at English. Like, no. you don't really see it too much, you know what I mean? Um, Song Yadong, you've seen it with him, right? You saw him doing, like, a whole media day in English, which was very impressive. I was mm -hmm. very impressed by that. But um, but English is a thing, but it all depends on if the UFC really wants to push you. Like, it depends on, like, what country you are from that's, as that's well. The, that's the thing, right? That's the thing. It's if, if they choose to push you, then it doesn't matter. But if you don't have great English skills, the likelihood they're going to push you is is much slimmer. I, th I think if yeah. I'm somebody who doesn't really speak English, I'm looking at PFL, I'm looking at Bellator before I'm looking at the UFC. Like just being a fantastic fighter isn't enough. Like someone like Rachmanov, I think is phenomenal. And and like uh, someone, you know, let let's let's look, let yeah, Rachmanov. There, yeah, I think uh, he's going to do much better if he does go to the PFL, and I, he probably would beat everybody in that welterweight division. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, but he won't be as popular. He might be popular in his country, but will the UFC push him? Like, you know, like, is, is his country making that much money? Because 
China's making a lot of money for the UFC. Mm-hmm. And it, it benefits them to have someone like Zhang Weili. It benefits them to have someone like Song Yadong or, uh, or uh, the Leech as a champion because they can go over to China and represent them in, in business deals, whatever. You know, I mean, I don't know how they're using them, but exactly like, you know, that's what, you know, this is a business, man. Like the UFC is a business. The PFL is a business as well. Bellator is a business. You know, this fight game is a business. So going back to like, what you're saying, the best path, to, to be honest with you, that I see is that you, if your dream is to become a UFC champion, you should not strive to become a UFC champion within your te- first 10, 15 fights. What you should do is, in your first 10, 15 fights, is fight on the regional scene and try to get signed by the PFL first. And then go and try to win that million dollars first. Because it's, it's not like the door is shut to the UFC mm-hmm. if you lose in the pfl if you go and win the 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 million dollars we've seen it many times right if you go and fight for the pfl the ufc will still sign you so like 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 the justin gaethje route basically exactly felipe Linz, he won the million dollars and he's fighting in the ufc right now right like it, it there's a way to do it right and hopping into the ufc at like eight and oh 10 and oh might not be the best path for a certain fighter some of them yes you know because they're so extremely talented like that's why i look at like like a chase hooper uh, a Paige van zant you know uh, even this kid that they signed that's like 18 years old now right raul he's gonna fight next weekend right on pay-per-view like they're pushing him hard mm-hmm. like is that the best path for you because if you don't win it's hard to keep you on the roster the ufc is not a company that's gonna let you lose unless you're sam alvey eight times in a row, <laughs> right? For real. And, and a lot of these younger guys, their their leash is not as long as a Sam Alvey. Sam Alvey, you know, like, he's a guy that will fight anybody, right? And he'll just say yes to whatever. And I think that's why the UFC kept him around and and, and, and kept a long leash on on him. And Sam Alvey, if you talk to him, he's a he's a cool dude. Like, like I like him. You know what I mean? I've interviewed him many, many times. Like, He's, he's very realistic with everything and very happy, you know, with what he, what he has in his life. It's hard to hate somebody like that. But, uh, yeah, like it's this UFC machine is changing in front of our eyes. And, and it's, it's, it's interesting to see what it becomes in the next, next five or 10 years. And, but like I said, I, I feel like they're just going to have like the top 15 fighters in the world in each division. And then the rest are just going to be guys that are getting paid. 15 and 15, 10 and 10. Yeah. And they're clawing up and, and like beating each other. And, and some of them will have very short careers because of that, because they went into the UFC too quick. And your management, your agent, your coaches need to be the person to stop you to save your career. BetUS Sportsbook is your ultimate destination for online betting. With sports betting, live betting, racebook, online slots, and online casino. It's available across the U.S. and Canada. Use the code PSP to receive a massive sign-up bonus. Speaking of these guys that are going and going and going, in the upcoming UFC, you got like Michael Johnson, you got Clay Guida. Yeah. Should these guys still be in the UFC? I think so. I think those are the guys are the, the test, you know, for, for the up-and-coming guys. So the, the UFC picks the guys. This is just, you know, complete speculation, right? Okay. The UFC picks those guys 
that are good, that are skilled, and they 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 continue with the UFC because they're the guys that don't don't really say no to fights, right? They're the guys that play ball with the UFC, and the UFC, you know, they want guys that are compliant to what they what they want, what their plans are, right? And and I think like a Clay Guida, like a Michael Johnson, you know, those guys. I love watching them fight as well. You know, I mean, they're fan favorites. You know, so they're gonna keep around the guys that are fan favorites and the guys that are willing to say yes to fights that most people won't say yes to. Like, look at what, look at the fights that Michael Johnson took. Like, they're terrible matchups. A lot of them, <laughs> yeah, <man>. right? And, <laughs> and and everybody knew that. Like, just like Habib, the fight with Habib. It was just like one of the most demoralizing fights you've ever seen right like he's pounding on michael johnson talking to him next to the case like i'm sorry brother like i have to get title shot <laughs> like it's 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 one of those moments in fighting like yo there's levels to this shit yeah like if you can't wrestle you're gonna be in some big big trouble and um we've seen it with uh edson barboza as well right these are guys that are good really good fighters but they're just not going to be that level like like a Habib or, you know, Islam or something like that. And, you know, what they got, those guys got going for them is, you know, of course, they have the, the Russian, the the European market, as well as the, the Muslim market, right? Which That's is right. massive, massive, right? Massive. We've seen it. Habib, Habib showed us, right, that this market is massive by how, how big he has become. He's going to be the fighter until the day I die. They're going to always going to be talking about Habib. I think years will pass. People forget about Anderson. They'll forget about Fedor. They'll forget about uh, uh, GSP. They'll forget about all these guys, but they'll still be talking about Habib. You know why? Just because he left so many questions unanswered. And he, and he was so dominant at the same time. Mm-hmm. And we'll be talking about him. We won't even be talking about Islam. We'll be talking about Habib. Even though Islam might even surpass him in like accomplishments, but we'll still be talking about Habib. What if Habib didn't retire? And then there'll be the side that says, oh, you know, he, Michael Chandler would have beat that ass. Or, you know, like, oh, no, he would have went 95 and 0. You know, that's that's how the sport is. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's always interesting when those debates come up between the, I guess, the champions of yesteryear and the, the hottest property right now. But just to switch gears for a moment, John, in next month, well, towards the end of the year, actually New Year's Day, we got the the co-op event between Ryzen and Bellator. Well, what's your take on that? And do you think we can see more of these kind of uh, co-ops in the future? Yeah, I think Ryzen and Bellator, they're just going to continue doing it. Like, I was there for the first one in 2019 before the pandemic hit in japan and it was cool man it was cool to it was this was when like michael chandler was with bellator and he fought on there mm-hmm. this was when yuri prohaska was with ryzen and he fought on there this was when manel cop was with ryzen and he fought on there like that was a pretty historic like couple of days fedor and rampage jackson fought each other which i think a lot of people forget where fedor sparked rampage um Meeting, yeah, meeting Fader was a trip because he's just like, I don't know, man. He's some weird, man. I'm telling <laughs> you right <laughs> Yeah, it's just weird. Like, it's like, are, is there a human inside? Like, is there somebody in there? Like, what's going on? 
You know, like, it's weird. Like, it's weird. Like, he was doing a media day. He didn't move. Like, his face kind of moved a little bit. It's, I don't know. It was just very odd. But, um, but yeah, he's, he's, he's one of the greatest. Um, but, yeah, I think it's, it's going to continue. I like what they're doing. You don't have to put belts up. If you win, if you lose, it creates a narrative to maybe have one of the guys go over to the other promotion and fight for an actual belt. And then you got guys holding two belts at the same time. And then you could relinquish belts at any time because at the end of the day, there's no rules to this game. Yeah. And they could promote the shit out of it. Like it's going to be, I think it's going to be great. I think it's a great opportunity. And you know what's funny to me is Chatri talking mad shit about Bellator. <laughs> and then he'll say like, oh, we'll only do co-promotion with the UFC. That makes me laugh because Chatri is a promoter, just like anybody else. Coker's a promoter. Dana White's a promoter, right? These promoters will say anything and everything to make money because that's what they are. You know, mm-hmm. don't believe the whole like, this is martial arts. This is honor and respect. No, this is money. <laughs> this is money, right? And, and that's, what, that's what we're making. But yeah, Rise and Bellator, I love it. I think it's great. I think it's, it's great that they're putting their top guys against each other in, in those weight divisions. And from what I heard is they want to do more events like that per year. They're just getting their feet wet because the pandemic kind of put everything at a standstill, right, for a couple of years. Mm. But this one, they'll do this one, and they'll probably end up doing maybe one in the States and then maybe do another one back in, in Japan. And uh, who knows, they might do some in, in other countries. But I know that this relationship is going to grow and it's just going to get better. And I think it's good. What do you guys think about Josh uh, Thompson like calling out the media and saying, now you guys got what you want, so please like cover the sport like you're supposed to? Pretty much saying that, <laughs> you know, pretty much like he's sour that, you know, most of the coverage goes to the UFC. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, like, I mean, okay, I'll give you an analogy. The Men's World Cup is on right now and can they qualify for the first time in 36 years? You have all these reporters who did not give a crap about soccer, for not even in the last qualifying cycle. They're all rushing to this shiny toilet to World Cup. So I feel like the UFC is similar in like, and, and Kobe's talked, talked on this with, in some of the press conferences he's been in, like, people rush to this shiny thing when it's popular, but in and around the, the main events, no one really gives a crap. So people like you who hold it down throughout the year, you're, you're the real ones. And um, I guess that's what we aspire to be. But the, the, there's some people out there that they kind of fake about it. They only show up when it's like at the big events. And I, I guess that's kind of what Thompson's talking about, isn't it? It is. It is. Um, but I don't know. I think, um, I think as the sport grows, the fans, the popularity of promotions will grow as well. And it's going to take away from the UFC. UFC is always going to have more of the casual fans, right? But I feel like as the years go, the the fandom will start to shift. And it will balance out, I think. This is what mm. will happen. And there will be more people, even with one championship, right? They have their, they have their niche. You know, they have one billion viewers. Mm. Like, who has that, right? Right. Probably nobody uh but mm-hmm. uh you know that's what they like to claim right but um yeah so i think it'll balance out i think uh we'll have the main promotions and the main promotions 
in Asia will be One Championship and Ryzen. I think that will be the main promotions that will always stand out for the next 10, 20 years. But um, but yeah, the UFC, PFL, Bellator, I think those have those promotions have uh, established themselves. And PFL is so still so young, but I think they're gaining ground. It's not like they're popular, but they will become more and more popular as more and more famous athletes or famous fighters sign with them. And I think that mm-hmm. that's what they need to start doing. Mm-hmm. Um, it hasn't worked out too well, but I think it has worked out because it shows you that a lot of these famous, more well-known fighters are not as good as you thought they were because they're getting their ass beat by dudes that you don't even know who they are. And PFL needs to do a better job of promoting that. And as PFL grows, they're going to have more weight divisions. And I think it will start to go year-round. I think PFL won't just be this month to this month. I think they'll be having like seasons go on, but it'll be like each season will be this like like some seasons will be like from january to july other seasons will be from like may to november you know like that it'll it'll, like they'll they'll have it year round where it's like competing with the ufc and they have the platform which is espn which is great for them right bellator they're just continue doing what they do they'll grow with ryzen and they'll produce that type of product but i see positivity like in the next five ten years with with the competition that that uh that you see in in these major promotions nice Cole, what were your thoughts on um thompson's comments so for the casual fan i mean like john said they're probably going to tune into the ufc first and then bellator and pfl if it just happens to fall in their lap at the right time and they want to watch something that's a lot of it's that way when it comes to the casual fans but what i always look at is what do you want to see you want to see a great fight right that's what you want to see and I see great fights on every promotion. Every single promotion has great fights and every single promotion has shit fights as well. But something that John brought up, he brought up a name that most people don't bring up that much anymore, but he brought up Fedor. And John, you saw Fedor's last fight? Uh, versus uh, uh, Thompson? Was it Thompson? Was it Thompson? I'm trying to think if it was. It might have been, yeah. Yeah, where he, oh, yeah, he got the knockout, right? He destroyed him, yeah. Yeah, he got the knockout. Yeah, again, he was a former UFC guy. Yeah, and Fedor looked ridiculously quick, twitchy. He just looked so good. And that's after having not fought for quite some time. He's going to be fighting Bader again. Do you like Fedor in that fight against Bader? Nah. No? Nah, I think Bader's going to wrestle up. (laughs) Okay, okay, that's fair. And then another fight that's been announced, and I wonder if you even think it's going to happen. And that's Nganu versus John Bones Jones. I, I doubt that happens. <laughs> so you're with me on that one. It sounds like a great fight that everyone would love to see, but I just don't know if it's even going to happen. It just there's so many things that have to fall into place for that to happen. And that's, that's the issue, right? Some of the best fights you see on any given card sometimes are, are the prelims. <laughs> it can be some of the best fights. So... I think what Thompson's trying to say is that if you're not giving everybody the same coverage, you're missing some of the best fights, period, in a year. That's, I think, what he's trying to say. Yeah, but the thing is with that is that casual fans, I don't think they really even care about the fights. They're caring about the moment. They're caring about FOMO, the fear of you know missing out. Like there, that, a lot of people are into that now. You know, what I mean, the the newer generation, you know, the 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 eighteen to 
29 demographic or whatever it's all about being at a certain location for a certain moment you know with their phones out like did you did you did you see that you know you know like during pfl right the championships like you had a bunch of ufc fighters there it was weird like in the stands watching the fights and they're mm -hmm. like kind of showing them and promoting the ufc fighters right which is very odd you know yeah. very odd and then when when Suhudo and uh, and Sterling right they were cage side and they were sitting there talking to each other and, and they were supposed to face off, you had everybody with their phones out. You could see it in the background, like everybody was filming it. And even even those guys are like in the late thirties, in their forties. I think some of them are in their fifties. It just shows you everybody's all about the moment of like being at the right moment at the right time and being you know and saying that i was there and you know korean culture has been like that forever it's all about like what what do you know it's like even if you don't like it you're there you're mm -hmm. watching it it's like when you go to work like in korean culture it's like when you go to work and everybody's talking about okay i'll give you an example the world cup's happening right now right yeah i could give two shits like i don't watch it like i, I watched the korea play the first game because my wife is into it but really, to be honest with you, I don't give two shits about them. But like if I was working in a Korean company and if I didn't watch soccer, I would go to work the next day and I would not be involved in the conversation because I don't know what happened and everybody would look at me all weird. Even though like let's say I don't like soccer, I would have to watch it just so I'm in the conversation with everybody. And I think fighting's like, I think the UFC is like that, to be honest with you. And that's mm -hmm. what the casual fan is like. Even though they don't like fighting, like the chicks, they're gonna go watch it at the pub or at the club or at the at the bar or whatever and just be like oh i was at that moment and then put it up on instagram like yeah we're cheering for fucking patty pamlet bro you know like <laughs> you know what i'm talking about like yeah, that's what yeah. it has become with the casual fans <laughs> like they don't even have to like the sport they just want to be there so they could post it on social media and be like yeah bro like patty pamlet i'm the number one fan bro watch the podcast <laughs> You know, like that's what it has become, and that's what the UFC kind of—they've kind of stranglehold that market. To be honest with you, shit, that, that's harsh. That's harsh criticism, buddy. That's but it's harsh. real. It's real. No, but it's real. Like that's what casual, like most casual fans, like Adrian Yanez. I'm looking at this highlight of Adrian Yanez right now. Most casual fans don't have no clue who Adrian Yanez is. Mm -hmm. Let's be real, right? But he's like one of the. I think he's one of the like biggest prospects coming up like in the whole ufc like the kid is just dangerous and but most casual fans wouldn't know but let's say if he was fighting for the title and and then everybody would be knowing who he is because they'd be like yo i'm adrian yanez fan bro like <laughs> instagram stories tiktok <laughs> i did the adrian yanez right that's why sean o'malley's so popular because he 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 like captivated that market of the young kids the YouTube kit, like market, and why do you think Dana White's embracing it all as well? You think he likes being around those idiots? Probably not, but it's making money. It's it's fueling the machine. It's all part of it, right? I'm not hating on it right now, but I'm just saying like what it is. Like this is what it is, right? And even like I, I know a fighter who's really, really like he's probably one of the most famous fighters around the world, right? And me and him, we like, you know, we talk and we text back and forth pretty often. But nobody really knows, like, I'm friends with him. But, like, even him, he was telling me, like, yo, the UFC is fucked. I'm just using it as a platform. 
so I could build my brand and build my business and become rich. I know the UFC don't pay us enough. Like this is, these are conversations, right? I don't really talk to them about fighting too much, but these are the conversations I'm having with them. And I'm just like, yo, why doesn't, why don't every fighter think that? Mm -hmm. Why don't every yeah. fighter think that? Right. And I don't know. I just got off on a no, 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 but you, you make a good point, right? Because one of the reasons to maybe be in the UFC is because your like Instagram following is going to jump 10 times that of being in say Bellator. Exactly. Especially if you get like a highlight, like look at, um, what's her name? Uh, Molly McCann, right? She's yeah. not, mm. she's, 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 she's not that good, right? Let's be real. She's not that good, but she took advantage of the moment. She took advantage of the platform. And mm. now she's getting a Rolex from Drake, like stuff that I don't really care about, but it's on the news. Like we see it. Like if you cover MMA, you see it on the you know your your you're, when you're scrolling down right she's yeah. captivated that and sean o'malley and and, and a, a lot of fighters have but that's the attitude you should have right because at the end of the day the ufc gives two fucks about you you know what i mean we've seen it in in the past year like what they really think about fighters right like look at the whole francis and ganu situation mm -hmm. you know like just look at that situation and you understand and then the funny part is like you got other fighters saying like you should be appreciative of like what you have and it's like yo you deserve more yes they helped you but you helped them just as much don't you see it that way or do you just see it as them being like they they hold you you know and i don't know it's it, it pisses me off because i get to talk to a lot of these fighters and they can't say these things yeah they can't they can't, to be honest with you. And the ones they do, they're fucking brave, man. I, I really mm. salute a lot of these fighters that come out and say the things that they say against the UFC because they're brave. Because the UFC's contracts will will stranglehold you if they really wanted to. And you've seen it in the past. Well, I mean, you got this whole class action suit against them. You've got a number yeah. of fighters want to start some kind of union. Like this is all in the works in the background that no one ever really talks about. No, because it's not the headline grabbing shit. The headline grabbing shit is uh, Conor McGregor calls out Artem Lobov to fight at the local gym. <laughs> it's like, what? And I understand why that is the news, right? Because Conor McGregor is the most famous fighter on the planet. I understand that. I understand that's the news. But the, the class action lawsuit thing is not sexy. Conor McGregor, you rat, you know, like that tweet. Yeah. Artem is a rat. It's like, that was like one of his best... That was his like partner, right? That was like his homeboy. Like that was like yeah. one of the guys that was like he helped Artem get into the UFC. Yeah, yeah. Like, a lot of people die. were like, "Why is he in the UFC?" <laughs> right? Like, and then Artem became a legend, right? Throughout that time, like just because he fought like a madman. But um, it sucks to see that to see like two guys that were in the limelight together that helped each other come up. Now they're fighting over money, yeah. which. Mm. You know, you would think Connor, he, what did he say? He, he's worth like what, damn near a billion dollars. Yeah, now? ridiculous money. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you can't, you can't cut off some money for your, for your homeboy that bled for you. That was with you through like the whole thing, the whole rise. He was with you. Mm -hmm. You can't chop him off a little cheese, you know what I mean? And, and set him up for life. Like you can't give him a position. 
you know, to, to maybe grow something, maybe build a company with him. Like you can't do that. Maybe he, he knows Artem well enough to think like, you're a fucking idiot. (laughs) I can't, (laughs) you know, like maybe it's that way. I don't know. But, uh, but, but Carter like wanted to fight him at the local gym. That's hilarious to me, man. I think that's just funny. Like to me, it makes me laugh because Carter is just talking shit and he's having so much fun because everybody just hangs off every word and he knows that and he's just having fun with the world. Yeah, it's just keeping the attention. Yeah, it's it's funny. Quick question. Have you ever had a poutine before? Of course I've had poutine before. Of course. It's delicious. Hey, poutine is like an advanced version of mashed potatoes and gravy. If you think about it, think deeply. (laughs) It's an advanced version of that right and then it adds one of the best things in life which is cheese right like you mm-hmm. uh, is it cheese that you guys put on there right cheese curds cheese. Yeah. yeah cheese curds right yeah it's delicious like i don't like the funny thing about that is i've never actually had poutine in canada which is where it's from but uh i guess it's like pizza right when have you ever been to italy to have pizza in in italy <laughs> i've never nope. have I so have. it's kind of like I that have. right so oh you have okay so so it's like you could get good poutine i think outside of canada possibly and i think i've had some some decent ones but i will never know until like i have like a canadian person with me because i've never eaten poutine with someone that's canadian so they would know better than me so eventually hopefully i'll get out to canada we'll go to i'll go to toronto and i'll hit you guys up and we'll have poutine at the spot that you guys think has the best poutine that's the song and we'll make we'll be the judge of that. does poutine even exist in south korea they do have it at, uh, there's a decent amount of Canadians out here. Okay. So they have like these Canadian like bar, like restaurants. So they do, they do have, I don't know if they have it now, but I remember in the past I've eaten it here. Yeah. Okay. All right. And where can we, where can we hit you up, John? Oh, you could hit me up on all social media at JHK MMA and go to the all-star YouTube channel, subscribe to that. Go to SCMP YouTube channel. Subscribe to that. I'll be doing a, a a live fight companion this weekend for both one championship shows on on there. And also go download the All Star app. It's the best app in the business. You guys need to go download it. Awesome. All right, we're gonna get on that. Thanks for your time. We appreciate it. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. For even more of your favorite sports content, be sure to visit the website www.prosportspodcasters.com. On our website, you will find our sports blog, full podcast library, access to our YouTube channel, and deals from our affiliate partners. You can also sign up to become a PSP Insider and get exclusive access to our insider tips, sponsor giveaways, and insider newsletter. So don't miss out on the full Pro Sports Podcasters experience, where no sport is left behind.